For this episode, we'd like to give a trigger warning for sexual assault, violence, rape and spiking. Hi everyone, this is Lauren from the Period Poverty and Noisy Movement podcast series. Um, This week we're joined by Ellie and Anna from Eddie Anonymous, um, the Instagram account that is uh, raising awareness of sexual violence in the student community by sharing stories anonymously. So, um... Ellie and Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, um, I'm Ellie. So thank you for having us, um, first of all. So I founded the Eddie Anonymous account last July um, during the first lockdown. And yeah, it's just kind of grown from there. And we've now got a bigger team behind it. um, And they joined this year. So that includes Anna as well. Hi guys, uh, I'm Anna and I'm part of the aforementioned team um, and it's lovely to be here and I've been part of Eddie Anonymous for about six months now and I've been really enjoying it. Great, thank you. And we're in full support of preserving your guys' anonymity. So why do you think that that's important? I think um, initially it was because when I started it, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, obviously, interactions with the university, with user societies, things like that, it was just easier to be anonymous. Um, but as it's kind of gone on, um, you know, more people do know about it. And it's not so much about us. It's more about the people who want to submit stories. I think it's important that they don't know who's running it in case we had any mutual friends or things like that. Um, I think it's, yeah. I think it's just more important for them rather than for us um, to preserve their anonymity. Absolutely, yeah. So could you guys tell us, for anybody who doesn't know, a little bit about Eddie Anonymous? Um, So basically we are an Instagram account and you're able to submit uh, your stories, your experiences, your testimony of sexual assaults and harassment uh, on Edinburgh University campuses in Edinburgh um, in general and uh, we publish it through the account anonymously and we include trigger warnings we also include um, lots of resources uh, for uh, survivors uh, lots of educational resources more recently we've been trying to raise awareness about what constitutes sexual assaults, harassment um, and how Scottish law kind of deals with those sorts of definitions. So obviously the account has been a huge success. Um, Why do you think this is? Do you think it's anything to do with the anonymous element or do you think that it's the community that's built by survivors being able to share their stories? I think... Initially, it was the anonymous element. Um, People are much more willing to kind of share their stories when they know that they won't be known. And also that the perpetrator might not find out who it is. Um, I think sharing your story and people finding out um, that you're accusing someone else of something um, can also be quite dangerous for someone um, if they've not decided to report it. So I think that element of it, um, I also think just because all of the in the media, we kind of look at um, rape and sexual assault as these things of a stranger in, you know, that you don't know in a, at night, outside probably, 
Whereas all of these stories are actually kind of real life student experiences and people can kind of relate to it that it was when they were in a relationship or it was their friend. Um, and it just, a lot of it is that people aren't aware at the time um, that it was sexual assault until they kind of look back on it or they have some kind of like triggering symptom. Um, so yeah, I think it's that kind of like shared experience, which is why people have kind of wanted to interact with it um, and have used the account so much. And at what stage is the account at currently in terms of your followers and the people who are engaging with the content? Um, so currently um, we've got around uh, 8,500 followers um, and we tend to post a few times a week so we get uh, quite a lot of engagement so we reach around 8,000 accounts uh, in a week generally which is um, quite remarkable for our outreach um, and we're just at the moment focusing on uh, publishing a series about uh, the experiences people have had with spiking in Edinburgh so uh, that's received quite a lot of media attention and quite a lot of publicity so yeah that's currently what we're focusing on. And the community in Edinburgh is hugely impacted by your guys' work. Um, you know, you see people sharing the posts right across the UK who don't even go to Edinburgh. Um, so what do you, what sort of impact do you think that the account has had on the Edinburgh community, not just students, but outside the university as well? I think, um, I think what's funny is that when I started the account, I didn't really think that people would notice it. Um, and it has kind of come up with people who don't know that it's me running it. And I've heard them speaking about it. And I think it's just kind of started this conversation, um, whether that be in regard to things like stealthing, that's, you know, not as well known or coercion, things like that. Um, I think it's just kind of started that conversation in some way um, in Edinburgh. And I think that it's, it's caused these other accounts that are similar. You know, there's one in Aberdeen, Stirling, Durham, um, the St Andrews one obviously started it as well. Um, and so all these other cities do have similar accounts. So I think that has helped to kind of create some sort of change across the UK. Um, so yeah, we're, we are really happy with how it's going and we'll just have to see how it continues. Yeah, so when we're talking about sexual violence, um, what is the difference between rape, sexual assault by penetration and sexual assault? Um, so what I'd want to say first about this is that um, there's this idea that being the victim of one of these things could potentially be, quote unquote, not as bad as someone who's been the victim of a more serious, in brackets, crime. Um, so legally under the uh, Sexual Offences Act 2009 in Scotland, uh, rape is uh, essentially uh, forcing somebody to have sex uh, and there's the penetration of a penis. That's how it's defined by the Act. However, sexual assault by penetration uh, is the penetration of anything. So that can be... Uh, a finger, that can be an object, that can be um, forced oral sex, for example. Uh, it doesn't 
it isn't as limited as the definition of rape, but it's still uh, identical in its severity. Um, and then we've got uh, sexual assault, which can constitute uh, sexual touching without consent, um, ejaculation onto someone without consent, um, that kind of any sort of unconsensual sexual activity that doesn't necessarily involve penetration, uh, coercion, um, which is essentially forcing or tricking or pressuring somebody into having sex or engaging in some sort of sexual act when they don't really want to. Um, and then of course, sexual harassment is unwanted sexual conduct. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual activity. It's just interactions and behavior that are unconsensual, unwarranted and sexualized. Um, so those are the main sort of forms and uh, through our social media, we've actually been trying to uh, promote these and educate people about what they mean uh, and how a lot of them are actually quite common experiences that people don't seem to realise are illegal. I think what I was going to add to that as well is that what we're kind of trying to show and stress is particularly the coercion element of it, that people won't recognize you know like if you are in the midst of a situation and suddenly change your mind saying things like you know people telling you that you can't stop that you start now you may as well like finish uh why do you have to ruin it these kind of things that aren't that are just trying to persuade someone to continue going is not consensual and I think that happens so much in university experiences that trying to highlight that to students through people's shared experiences um, is what's been really helpful for a lot of people. Thank you for that. And so much of this, uh, this sexual violence has been completely normalised, like you say, especially coercion. Um, so what is, what, what is the reluctance of people to report sexual violence to either the university or the police? Why do you think students hesitate to do that? I think initially it's it's it feels like that there's a kind of time frame that you know you've got 24 hours to decide if you want to report and in that time the majority of people probably aren't thinking that reporting is their first instance that they want to you know they want to go home they want to speak to their friends or they want to um just ignore it and pretend it never happened a lot of people will take a few days before they realize you know why am i feeling upset and and actually realise that they've been raped or assaulted. So I think once that initial window is gone, people don't think that they can report it. Um, and particularly for the forensic examination is a huge part of it. And um, it is still possible, you know, to go a few days later, um, you can report it at any time. And I think trying to, you know, remind people of that is really important. I also think in university kind of culture, um, people don't believe that their experience is serious enough um, to report it. You know, they don't think that because they've been perhaps not been physically assaulted um, and they don't have bruises or things like this, that they don't think that it's worth reporting, um, and which is obviously not the case at all. Um, and finally, I think a lot of people have mutual friends. Perhaps their perpetrator was 
in a similar friendship group to them or does the same course as them anything like that and I think it can be very off-putting um for it to kind of go around in friendship groups if you do decide to report it and people find out so yeah I think there's a lot of factors um and it's something that you know we hopefully want to change that people even if they don't feel comfortable initially you know um to remember that they can report it you know years later or however they feel um they want to and do you think that there are structures in place that enable people to report sexual violence and are you guys as as Eddie Anonymous account working alongside the university to ensure that these structures are in place um so we work uh, very closely actually with the University of Edinburgh in particular um to work on their response and their understanding uh of these um of these experiences and of reporting sexual assault um what we have found is that overwhelmingly the responses have been quite poor uh because uh for a, an abundance of reasons one of which is that the university does not focus on prevention uh it focuses on focuses on supporting survivors and while that's fantastic and a, a great thing to do um we've really been pushing for the introduction of compulsory consent classes um in all scottish universities and secondary schools uh we believe that prevention is the best way to eradicate sexual violence um we believe that there are structures for reporting in place um you are able to report um sexual violence to the university to your university halls uh to the police uh, however there are a uh, lots of lots of ways to do this um reporting to the university doesn't necessarily mean that there will be a police report you can do it completely anonymously uh with no uh follow up with no ramifications um but a lot of people unfortunately just quite simply don't know uh the university doesn't seem to want to promote the, um these solutions because promoting the solutions would indicate that there is a problem and they're very very reluctant to admit how widespread it is and not only to reckon with the fact that so many of their students are victims but so many of university students are perpetrators uh that's something that's quite uncomfortable for a lot of these institutions i think and a very difficult issue uh for them to combat openly absolutely yeah um thank you for that So going back to the account and you guys as admins um many followers obviously find the content that's regularly posted on Eddie Anonymous distressing and choose to refrain from reading some posts how do you deal with this as admins posting the distressing content and the toll that it might take on your mental health um i think I found it difficult um when I started the account and I ran it kind of by myself for about a year um maybe just less than that and I think doing something like that by yourself and you know when it was first started and reading these submissions you know perhaps getting 10 submissions a day of um people detailing 
very explicit um, instances of what's happened to them, it can be quite overwhelming. And I think what I found was I was kind of at points getting into a mindset of the world is such a horrible place. And, you know, you believe that everyone, um, everyone's had an experience like this or all of the perpetrators are surrounding you and that kind of thing. So I think I found that aspect of it difficult. Um, and also just thinking about dating in the future. I think that's, you know, reading these stories affects then my life. Um, and so that's why I kind of decided to make it a bigger group when I um, got people to volunteer for the account. There's six of us in the group now. And I think that's really helped that we kind of share it. And there's also ways that we can now speak about it rather than me having to deal with it by myself. I can now, you know, ask them for advice or um, we're, you know, just good friends now. So I think that's really helped with kind of dealing with that content. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything, Anna, just about, you know, like joining the account if you found it difficult. Um, yeah, so I've, it, it is, it can be quite challenging. Um, we do, there's a, a sense of community as we all kind of approach it um, together and it's the workload is kind of separated so we don't feel too overwhelmed by it all. There's a lot of um, trips to the pub um, as a coping mechanism. I think I also think that in order to deal with so much of it in such volumes, um, you do kind of have to distance yourself from it and as awful as this sounds, not think about it too much because when you start to read every single testimony as this is someone I have class with, this is someone I know, this is my friend, it can be very, very overwhelming. So kind of treating it as a call and response and something that we just kind of have to get through so that other people can engage with it, that's probably been a few of our coping mechanisms. And because so many of the experiences that are reported are happening in our everyday lives. So they're happening when we go for drinks or on Tinder dates or having dinner. And then, and then you know, every just mundane activities that also facilitate sexual assault and violence. So do you think that that makes you guys more nervous about things like that, about dating apps and about going on dates? And, um, and also, how, what would your advice be for people who are afraid to do those things because of the potential for sexual assault to occur in those settings yeah I think I mean I'm on dating apps and I still kind of catch myself thinking if I don't have mutual friends the person I'm speaking to um should I really be going to meet up with them um you know I still catch myself having to remind myself that actually the chances of something happening are small. In the grand scheme of things, it is small. And I think you almost have to have um, a kind of, you have to be sensible, but you can't stop, you know, living your life um, out of fear of something like this happening. So yeah, I would, most of the time, you know, if I'm meeting someone, it would be, I know that we have mutual friends in some way, or I would meet them kind of even during the day um, or I would let my flatmate know where I'm going and when I think I'll be back kind of thing. So I think it has definitely affected the way that I now view things. And yeah, perhaps 
I would rather be more um, cautious because I, I know the impact that um, sexual violence can have on your life. And I think I'd rather be more cautious um, than risk something. But I do understand that, you know, we, we have a lot of girls sometimes messaging the account, particularly after the spiking instances of, you know, I'm, I'm really scared to do things now and interact with new people and go out. And it's not something that we want to, you know, promote that you should be scared. Um, I think it's just about kind of having a compromise of being sensible, but also still um, enjoying your life. Um, and I'd also just add to that, um, this idea that uh, going on Tinder dates with people that you don't know and going out to clubs and bars and that kind of thing where you will meet a stranger who will commit these offences is far less likely than your boyfriend or your partner or a friend that you already have committing those offences. What we found in our testimonies is that almost 80% of our submissions uh, were from people who'd been sexually assaulted or harassed by a partner or friend. Um, so what I would say is that our account is there to educate people so that they know, first of all, not to do this sort of thing. Um, and also so that people can identify the warning signs and they can see other people's experiences and recognize them in their own in, the, in their own lives and say, okay, well, so-and-so said this happened and then this happened. So if I see this first thing happening, potentially the second thing could be happening. So we're just sort of hoping that it promotes this understanding of the complex nature of sexual offences and that allows people to be safer. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just going to add that I think even I feel safer and I hope people from reading the stories feel safer in that because you know what to kind of look out for now and you're more aware. Um, you know, would I recognise coercion um, prior to, you know, doing the research for this account? Probably not. Um, so I think, you know, knowing that and knowing what to look out for um, is, you know, is I feel a lot more safer for it. And I hope other people do as well. Thank you. It's really, really valuable work. So in the future, what is Eddie Anonymous working towards? What can we look forward to? Um, so right now we are kind of working through the spiking um, anonymous submissions that we've had. And in that kind of period of time, as the account has got a lot more followers from that, um, we do have, I would say about a hundred submissions of other instances to now continue posting. So that will take up a lot of work. Um, we are still meeting with the uni to discuss, um, you know, plans that they want to do. Um, I think as a lot of us will be kind of leaving soon, that we'll have to look at recruiting more people um, to run the account. I don't think it's something that now we've got to this stage, we don't want it to stop. And so I think there'll definitely be people who want to get involved. So, yeah, I mean, it's difficult because we're anonymous. We can't do a lot of, um, you know, getting people involved in it. But, yeah, I think we'll just kind of aim to continue with the work that we're doing and, and see where it goes. Great, thank you. Looking forward to it. So do you have any concluding advice or comments for our listeners? Um, 
what I'd what I'd just say is that it's never too late to come forward. Um, there are structures in place. There are people who will believe you, who will support you. Anyone is free to message Eddie Anonymous with questions, with queries. Um, please access all the support services available to you. There are lots. Um, and just one final thing I think that we want to put out there is that just because somebody had something awful happen to them, that does not mean that the awful thing that happened to you needs to be put away because you don't think it was as serious. Every person who's experienced something really awful happening to them, that experience is valid and shouldn't be repressed and shouldn't be viewed as, yeah, that was bad, but something much worse happened to my friend, so I can't talk about it and I can't work through this and access the help that I need. So we would encourage everyone to speak to the university advice place and maybe get in contact with Edinburgh, Edinburgh Rape Crisis. Um, we have a lot of resources on our Instagram and we just want everyone to be safe and to enjoy sex and enjoy relationships and going out clubbing. Um, that's really, we just want everyone to be okay. Great. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on. And thank you to all our listeners. I hope you learned something today about Edinburgh Anonymous. And please do follow their Instagram page. Um, yeah, thank you to Anna and Ellie for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. I hope everyone is enjoying our podcast series. And thank you guys for listening. And please do tune in for the rest of our episodes. And enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>